What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks, and we're going to continue working through the mailbag. We have plenty of Mahjong Bochamp questions, which is not going to surprise anyone. Lineup questions. Brooke Lopez, what does the future look like for the Bucks at the center position? And what the heck is going on with Jordan War? Let's get started. <laughs> Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. days a week let's say minimum three days a week through august then back to five days a week in september you can also find my work over at espn alongside me the founder of brewhoop.com longtime voice of the podcast uh frank madden for today's episode that is brought to you by the delicious built bar more on that uh a little bit later on in the in the podcast i i love built bar there's no doubt about that all right continuing questions frank uh this one comes from uh, Nishan Abraham, who, by the way, has been sending questions through for a long time, so we absolutely appreciate that. Uh, this is a part of a few questions around Marjan Bochamp. So uh, Danny Schmitz was involved in here. Of course, uh, we love Danny on this podcast as well, and uh, and Virgo Kid. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to bust a bit of a myth here, Frank, in my opinion. Uh, Nishan asks, uh, will Bud break his streak of only trusting veterans? This is a very popular take. Uh, you hear it a lot, whether it's on Twitter, certainly in the YouTube comments. I think it's a myth. I think the Bucks have just had no good young players. <laughs> they have his only first round, Yeah, his only first-round pick, he played a bunch, right? The Dante DiVincenzo. It, it's kind of wild just to think he's how long Bud has been here and to think that this is only his second first-round pick is, is kind of funny. I, well, I think that that's the point. So Dante, obviously, in his first season, played a lot but was injured. I think he played around 27 games, something around there. But he was playing legitimate minutes on a Bucks team that was good for the first time in a long time. And then other than that, you shuffle through the names. I mean, Sam Merrill's in there, but I don't think anyone was banging down the door for him to play. I know there was the Mamadi Diakite hive that was there for a while, but that was ridiculous. So the only other player he's had is Jordan Moore. And I would heavily push back that War hasn't had opportunities. Last year, he played over 1,200 minutes, uh, particularly earlier in the season. Uh, he was getting real rotation stuff. He appeared in over 60 games. So, yeah, I, it's just not a concern for me that Bud would have some hesitance to play in Bochamp because he's young. It, it doesn't, I don't really agree with that. Yeah, and, and it should be noted as well. His first year was DJ Wilson's second year. Right. Christian Wood was was on the roster as well. So I think some of that residual kind of like, you know, why doesn't Bud play the young guys thing was also kind of due to some some of those feelings back then that, you know, he didn't really play those guys. And, you know, I think obviously DJ's, the fact that he's, you know, flamed out, you know, since since then, right? It's not like he's gone someplace else and shown that the Bucks were wrong. Um, Christian Wood obviously has shown way more, um, but it also took him... You know, he went to New Orleans, basically didn't play, then got waived, then went to Detroit, eventually kind of showed out a bit for a bad Pistons team, and then they didn't pay him. 
and he ends up in Houston, puts up numbers, and obviously gets traded again. So as much as I'm, I was an unabashed Christian Wood fan, and yes, I the self-anointed prime minister of the Woodlands. <laughs> um, you know, like, am I bitter that the Bucks didn't invest heavily in Christian Wood minutes? I mean, the irony is that he basically patterned his game after Giannis, and he's basically, you know, kind of like um, homeless man's Giannis with. Uh, I don't know, complete derelict defense version of Giannis, I guess. Good offensive player. Um, you know, it's like, did he have like a really long-term role? Like, not really, right? I mean, Bobby Portis is basically like kind of the good version probably of of what Christian Wood could have been here in Milwaukee. So um, so yeah, but but I agree. I mean, I, I think I am really curious to see what Marjan Beauchamp brings uh, to this team and what kind of opportunities he's afforded. I think two two injuries, I think, will probably give him much more of an opening than he might have otherwise had. One being, obviously, the fact that you used your mid-level exception on a guy in Joe Ingles that is going to miss half the season, probably at least, um, basically gives Marjan more of a runway for minutes that that might dry up uh, once once Joe Ingles presumably comes back. And they'll, you know, you have to think they're obviously going to want to see what they can get from Joe and, and try to work him into the rotation, whether he comes back. I don't think, I know he's targeting December. I feel like January is probably the more optimistic, um, more realistic view. Uh, but then the other one being Chris Middleton, right? I mean, if Chris is not really pl- come, not really playing at all in camp and in preseason, and maybe he misses the start of the regular season recovering from this wrist surgery, then that's a huge opportunity for Mar- Marjan Beauchamp because we saw in the playoffs, <laughs> how thin the bucks were on the wing and guess what the only guy they really added was joe ingles who's got a torn acl so um so i think we'll see probably a lot of him in the preseason and it's a real good opportunity for him to kind of get acclimated and get his feet wet and um you know i think what we saw with uh with dante was that you know if you kind of are an active defender and you work hard bud will try to manufacture some looks for you and i think so many of the other guys that we've seen since then, um, again, as you said, they were, you know, late second round picks. Uh, a lot of them, you know, uh, Sam Merrill, Mamu, and Jordan Wara, guys that were very offense first and obviously just could not impact the game defensively, even though, you know, Mamu, I think not for lack of effort. Um, really, Diakite was like the one guy who, you know, theoretically was kind of a more defensive guy. Um, but, you know, again, just, really limited and you know didn't really have like kind of that ideal bulk and that's why obviously um Mamadi hasn't really caught on anywhere either so um so yeah I think I think um he's definitely I think the 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 most interesting guy probably the most uncertain guy um to watch in the preseason just because we don't really know what he's going to be able to do and um you know I thought obviously the shooting in Vegas was really encouraging that is kind of the big swing skill for him I think the other parts of his game I thought were kind of underwhelming. Um, but, you know, as we said, he was kind of just parked in the corner most of the time, kind of playing like he'll probably have to play when he's playing with the Bucks' best players. And, you know, certainly he may be able to get freed up for cuts and, you know, kind of garbage stuff a little more easily when um, when he's on the floor with Chris and Giannis and and, uh, and Drew Holiday than, than he is, you know, playing uh, where he's one of the best players on, on a summer league team. So, We'll kind of see what he can bring, but you know, I think if he can play defense well and uh, 
and make the odd jump shot, um, he'll get a chance. And obviously, you just cross your fingers that that he's able to, you know, maybe shoot better than certainly his projection last year would have suggested. Hopefully, if he shoots it like he did in Vegas, then he'll definitely get a chance. But to me, I'm not really worried about Bud keeping Marjon down. Like, I don't foresee a scenario where Marjon's like really ready to be a rotation guy, yeah. and and Bud is is preventing him from from getting any minutes. I think. Um, He'll get some looks, and it's mostly going to come down to whether or not he's ready to to kind of take advantage of them. Because of that need, and the you know question mark certainly Joe Ingles, uh, I do feel that he'll get opportunities early in the season at least, and uh, whether he gets to twelve hundred minutes like Jordan Wara did, I mean he'll probably have to produce and be you know proving himself to be a, at least a semi reliable defensive player, I think for the most part, and probably knock down. Uh, open threes, but yeah, I, I can see him definitely getting opportunities. Danny Smith's asked about whether he could start at the two. I think, honestly, my feeling is if he's starting at the two in crunch time, end of the season, uh, he's either just being absolutely ridiculous or there's bigger concerns for the Bucks from a health perspective. So I don't really see that, but we've spoken a lot about uh, the, the fifth starter, if you want to call it that. And Virgo Kid asked whether he could have a, a Brogdon-like rookie season impact uh, when I looked back at the roster for the Brogdon season, there was a lot of guys that were playing a lot that are no longer in the league. That's that's all I'll say. So, you know, do I think that he's going to have that responsibility? Probably not. Uh, that doesn't mean that he can't be, you know, like a, a DiVincenzo impactful player, I would say, as a rookie, perhaps more than a, a Malcolm Brogdon. And Brogdon we spoke about on the last podcast as well. Uh, all right, we've got plenty more questions to get to. There's a particular lineup that a listener suggests, I think, suggesting uh, closing lineup. Uh, so I want to throw that at you, Frank, after I throw at you. Well, I would never throw Bill Bar at you, though, actually. That, that would, I would not throw Bill Bar at you because I would just eat it. Uh, gently me... lob it. Gently Gen... lob it, maybe. Yeah. If you could get... if you, I'm not going to go there, but yes, uh, I, would. I would. I would share Bill Bar with you, but not, not many other people. And uh, <laughs> let me introduce you to your new favorite, Frank, and all the listeners, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. Uh, they are light and chewy. They have real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs. Only 160 calories. And they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Uh, run to built.com. Don't worry about walking to built.com. Run to built.com right now to snag an entire box for you and the family because they're not going to last long. Uh, Frank in the past has lamented the fact that they have these brilliant flavors. Actually, Frank's wife, I believe it was, has lamented the fact that these flavors just don't last long. They're so popular, they run out of stock, and then they move on to the next genius creation. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code uh, LOCKEDON15, it is, by the way. This has changed. Locked on 15 to get 15% off your order at built.com. All right, everyone's interested in closing lineups frank it's a it's a very uh, popular conversation we have uh, this one came in from ian lambert uh, he says drew holiday pat Connaughton, chris middleton wesley matthews Giannis closing lineup uh, now he suggested that we didn't see much of this last season and i thought that's interesting because that lineup does make a lot of sense on paper so i went to our friends over at cleaning the glass uh, com in the regular season, 17 possessions only. Huh. And then in the in the postseason, they never really played because Chris did not last long. 
So really an untried lineup that on paper makes a hell of a lot of sense. Uh, keeping in mind that there could be, by the end of the season, two potential wild cards that could mix and match, Joe Ingles being one of those, and uh, Bochamp, who we just spoke about, could be the other. But when you look at all those names, and then you add in Ingles and Bochamp, and then, of course, you have Portis and Brook. It's like, okay, it does feel like if everyone's healthy, and in a best-case scenario, it does feel like there's a few more options than potentially there were by Game 7 of the series against the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on on what the opponent lineup is. I think the mm-hmm. what PJ gave you that was so unique was you could play this quote unquote small lineup, and you know PJ can defend a wing, right? Like against Atlanta, wasn't he guarding uh, Bogdan Bogdan or uh, yeah Bogdan Bogdanovich? By the way, in our last pod, I accidentally said Bogdan Bogdanovich when I was trying to say Bojan Bogdanovich. The deal he signed with the Jazz. Mia culpa. Everyone, um, by the way, everyone was pissed about it. Yeah. We literally recorded that pod 10 minutes ago. So I'm like, you know, in almost real time correcting myself here, but you guys <laughs> won't see it for, for a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he can defend, right? I mean, like he guarded Chris Paul at times. He was guarding Devin Booker. I think he was the guy, the man, I think he was playing, he was defending Devin Booker on the steal and alley you play in game five of that series. Um, but the flip side was he could also switch onto a big guy and he's, you know, PJ just is that strong physique and he's really good at boxing out. And it kind of allowed you to play big and physical while also playing small. Right. And that is just, he's just a weirdo in that regard in, in, in a good way. Um, and so I think the, the problem with the lineup kind of that you mentioned, I think if, if you're playing against a team that is going very small, um, I think it would have obvious appeals because you know you essentially have four wings that are you know fairly switchable amongst each other defensively, and then obviously Giannis you can switch onto whoever as well. Again, I Giannis and switches I don't think is I don't I'm always kind of like I'm a little hesitant to say that like I'll oh, just switch everything when Giannis is at center because I think there are times where you know you kind of let him play center field. I mean, the block on DeAndre Ayton, he was not switched, right? He, But because he's so dynamic, he was essentially able to kind of felt like he had switched a little bit onto Devin Booker, but he was able to, to again, play that kind of center field role where you know he kind of comes up a little bit and then can still cover the back line alley-oop. So um, I think there's lineup certainly for, for an opponent that that could, could work. Um, but I think the flip side is, that also leaves you fairly small. So I think, you know, again, if you're doing that, pulling that lineup against um, an opponent that has some size, then I think it could hurt you on, on the glass. And again, maybe doesn't kind of give you the, you know, quite the, um, you know, the death lineup effect that, that maybe you're hoping for. But certainly if you're, you know, asking me who are guys that should be playing, you know, big minutes in playoff games, um, I'm not going to argue with, with any of those guys. Right. I mean, Basically, last year, the, you know, if you were going to come up with your your kind of top seven or eight guys, it would essentially be that group plus Brook Lopez, Bobby Portis, right? That's probably your top seven. And then obviously there was always the question about you know who's who's the other guard that you play, and you know we can I don't want to rehash the George Hill Javon Carter discussion right <laughs> now, but um, but yeah, is there you know a role that that group can play? I think so, but. Um, but I think I just want to underscore as well. Part of the Bucks' problem since losing PJ is that 
they don't have any single lineup that is as versatile to me and can play stylistically as versatile, you know, in the same versatile way as as what they had when when they had PJ. And so they have to be a little bit more basically forces Bud to be a little bit more tactical with his lineups. And you can't just say like, here's our best five, you know, you guys deal with that, which, you know, again, um, I think the Bucks are always a team that likes to sort of take that mindset of like, we're going to focus on ourselves and not have to do the thing where you kind of match your guys against their guys. But, um, you know, I think they're in a little bit different spot now because they have a little bit more when you talk about like guys like Grayson um, and if Grayson Allen, obviously you would hope could be in your top seven or eight too, um, that, you know, you have to kind of do a little bit more of that offense defense trade off than, than you might otherwise have to What are the Bucks going to do at the center position moving forward? In the last podcast, we discussed uh, potential extension options for Chris Milton. Uh, perhaps, maybe not so much from a financial point of view, but just in terms of transition, the role that Brook Lopez has had with this team, clearly the importance he's had for the defensive side of the ball, and at times, clearly, the, uh, the the talents that they've been able to tap into at times on, on offense as well. Uh, people are curious about what's going to happen here. So Jordan asks, should the Bucks have looked for a rookie big man instead of Serge, given the expected limited role that Serge Barker is going to play anyway? Uh, then Riff Raff, uh, which, you know, perfectly describes... Uh, <laughs> Me, I should don't, say. I'm don't not, say, don't say me, our listeners. Me, don't say me. our listeners. Yeah, perfectly describes me. But I didn't ask this question. But uh, it's uh, who should the Bucks be looking at as a replacement? Which is potentially a, a more difficult uh, question to answer. But just in general, it, to me, it does feel like again we're heading for this you know, really interesting uh, off season next year. We'll have another season of Brook Lopez post back surgery. So he looked pretty good when he came back. Uh, but if he has He's been remarkably reliable now for a number of years, certainly since coming to the Bucks before this injury. So if he has a year where he's starting to break down a little bit, okay, maybe that speeds up the process in terms of moving on and maybe shuts the door on any type of you know, uh, money, you know, Bobby Portis extension, whatever the money would be. I'm not sure. Uh, he's obviously a little bit older. Uh, just with Serge Barker for me, I was really down on the potential big man that they could have drafted in, uh, uh, what was his name? Walker Kessler or Kessler Walker. The goober? Yeah, well, that's, 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 that's what you, I didn't know what that was, but yes, that's may have been referenced. I, I was I, out on I, that. I referred to, I referred to him as a goober because his college headshot made him look like a goober. Uh, yes. Just Google it. Google it. Google the goober. Um, sorry, Walker. So, he got a better haircut. He got a better haircut by draft time, but his auburn haircut just kind of his chin kind of juts out a little bit. Just looks like a goober. But anyway, nice. big seven foot white guy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so I was out on that selection. I didn't want to go down that path. I didn't see much value in using your first round pick on a on a center. So I probably wouldn't have gone down the rookie path personally. I like what they got in Marjon Beauchamp. Feels uh, certainly more versatile for the modern game, um, but. Uh, that being said, I understand that Serge Ibaka at this point in time looks like he won't play a major role. But they got Serge Ibaka last year because they it felt, certainly to me, I assume, because they wanted the Brook Lopez insurance. Jo, uh, John Horst has uh, kind of mentioned that. And to me, it probably feels like it again. 
maybe they do want to have that veteran there so they're not shuffling through Demarcus Cousins, Greg Munro, uh, these guys looking for anyone that can that can eat minutes. So it kind of makes sense to me, but there's no doubt uh, the clock will be ticking on on a decision here. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's a, you know, I think you could argue, you know, Brooke is the first big domino, right? Just given his age. Yeah. Um, when you think about the core of this team, the guy that is, you know, the first guy that you would expect to um, get to the point where, you know, he he maybe just isn't a starter or even next year, we'll see what kind of minutes he plays, right? Like, does his, do, do his minutes get reduced to 20 minutes a game next year, right? Rather than being a, you know, 25 to 29 minute guy or whatever he's been in the past. So, um, I mean, I think there's a, a few things we can probably, you know, safely assume one you just gave Bobby Portis 49 million bucks over the next four years, including a player option. And, you know, if you think his best position is power forward, well, then he's playing behind the best player in the world. (laughs) So that doesn't necessarily leave a lot of minutes. So the obvious, um, you know, the obvious answer would be, well, they're expecting him to play a lot of center. Right. And um, so I, I think, you know, I think the, the silver lining of last year was, we saw Bobby could be very good as a regular inning, a regular season innings eater and a guy that paired really well with Giannis. They were, you know, a big positive with Giannis and Bobby together. And probably the most surprising to me was I was looking on cleaning the glass. You know, I was worried like, oh man, like Bobby without Giannis or Brooke, right? That's got to be like just where the Bucks get killed because defensively, obviously Bobby's not protector anywhere close to what those guys are. Um, and you really have to kind of just play him a little more aggressively. And, you know, how, how would you figure that out? But um, when I was looking at it earlier, I think they were plus 1.6 points per 100 or something with Bobby on the floor and no Brooker or Giannis, I believe, um, which kind of surprised me. Um, because if you can basically kind of survive in those scenarios and then really flourish when Bobby's playing with with Giannis, and also when he's you know able to kind of lean on Brooke and his rim protection. Um, then I think that kind of underscores you know why Bobby is is obviously a valuable player to them, and um, why you don't worry so much about leaning on him to take some of Brooke's minutes or you know give Brooke more nights off, or you know if Brooke again gets hurt, hopefully not for an extended period, but you know that you can lean on Bobby to kind of just get you through. Um, you know, stretches of the regular season where maybe you're, you're not at, at full strength. So I think that's part of it, right? You don't give Bobby that money unless you think he can play a lot of those center minutes. Um, but I think it's an interesting question. It's like, I mean, well, are, but are you really like saying that Bobby's just going to be your starting center and, you know, you're just going to get some random backup dude um, to replace Brooke eventually, you know, kind of essentially replace some of Brooke's minutes. And here's the problem. I mean, the hard part is, you can't just draft another seven footer and expect him to become Brooke Lopez. Right. I, I mean, his intelligence um, and his physical tools and just what he's able to do defensively for this team that we've seen over the last four years, you know, his offensive skill set, which again, maybe we obviously have not seen as much as certainly he was able to show off when he was in Brooklyn, but you know, the skill set he has offensively inside and obviously to a lesser extent, probably outside, uh, has been really valuable, you know, at, at various points. I mean, you know, the Atlanta series maybe being kind of the prime, the prime example of that. So um, I think the hard part is you you don't just you know 
take a second round flyer on a guy and say, oh, that's our Brooke Lopez replacement, right? Like, you're just not going to do that. And we kind of got spoiled getting Brooke uh, as a biennial exception guy. And so I think it's, it's a, thanks, it's a really Lakers. tough. Yeah. Thanks Lakers. Um, so I think it's a really, I think it's a really tough thing to, to kind of figure out. Um, I think most likely the bucks are just going to have to figure out how they evolve their defense over the next couple of years um, to be a team that is, you know, less of a Brooke Lopez anchored drop, you know, zone drop defensive type of team, just because I don't think you can replace Brooke Lopez like that. That said, I mean, I, I still think, you know, as long as Brooke is, you know, he looked healthy coming back from the injury last year. Hopefully that's a good harbinger for this season that he's able to get through this season um, healthy and, and productive. Um, so my hope is that it's, it's kind of a, you know, slow decline. And I think, again, just from the MO of this team, we know what what Brooke means to Giannis and we know how much obviously Bud and the rest of this team loves Brooke. I mean, the locker room presence, I don't think probably gets talked about enough, like the way he fits in culturally with what the Bucks do. I mean, just one of the best dudes you're going to find. Uh, so I, I think he'll be back after next season again, assuming he's reasonably healthy. I think he just probably comes back for, you know, a lower contract number and maybe they give him like a one plus one sort of as like a, Hey, we're not just going to, you know, make you go year by year. We'll give you a little bit of, of kind of the, you know, the John Horst one plus one player option special. Um, but maybe just at a lower number and just sort of take care of him that way. Um, and then I think obviously the question is, you know, does he become a bench guy um, at some point after next season? So I, I think they're probably going to try well, to keep his, him around. His brother's, well. uh, his brother's absolutely settled into the, into the bench life, so maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, but when you mentioned bench life, I just imagine Robin Lopez literally just sitting on the floor for a whole season for the Orlando Magic. It's just very bizarre to me. He just lays on the floor. He doesn't even need a bench spot, you know. Got to keep <laughs> that back. Got to keep that back limbered up. So anyway, so long story short, I, I think Brooke will be with the Bucks beyond next season. I think the hard part is just figuring out what that transition looks like and would would not shock me at all if if Bobby eventually were to start in Brooks' place, maybe Brooke comes off the bench or you know the other way is just you just play Brooke way fewer minutes and you're kind of having him more as a ceremony, ceremonial starter and uh you know you're playing Bobby more minutes every night and kind of peeling peeling Brooks roll back a little bit. Uh, again, and we mentioned Chris Middleton on the last podcast, and as we've said, difficult decisions obviously to come, particularly if for whatever reason there are other teams that are going to be throwing money at these guys. Who knows? It'll depend on probably the way they play this season and, and what they want to have moving forward. But clearly we've seen over the last few years players have been willing to stay in Milwaukee for uh, friendly deals, uh, shall we say. But in terms of guys that I think have been underappreciated for the role they've played, uh you know, Brooke Lopez is potentially at the top of the list. And as you pointed to, yeah, really some pretty good fortune that Brooke Lopez ended up in Milwaukee. And I just finished reading uh, the mid-range theory, a uh, the book from Seth Partnow. And there was some really, you know, good Brooke Lopez stuff at the start of that book in terms of how he came to Milwaukee, why they valued what he could bring to the team. If you haven't read the book, you should certainly do so. But yeah, uh, again, uh, a guy that's been maligned at times. I've never understood why, uh, but has been a huge part of what the Bucks have been doing. I think it will be interesting to see when you talk about 
uh, Bobby Portis potentially starting. If you think back to previous seasons prior to the back surgery, Brooke Lopez was, he never got rested. When all the starters didn't play, Brooke was the one random guy that was, as, as like Bud said, sorry, man, you're playing. And he would be starting with the, with, you know, the end of the bench guys. I think that'll change this year. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me anyway if they manage him a little bit differently to what they have in the past, particularly coming off the back surgery. But that'll be uh, interesting to see. One more before we wrap up this one. Uh, Jordan Wara, uh, Sal Cully, and also Jordan. And I'll paraphrase this, but basically what's going on with Jordan Wara? <laughs> that's, that's the general question. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we talked about Marjan Beauchamp earlier in the, I think the previous, I think in our previous pod. Um, and and kind of why we'd expect him to at least get a chance uh, in training camp with with Joe Ingles out for the the first significant portion of the season and Chris coming back from the wrist surgery. Um, I mean, I'm also partly factoring the fact that I I feel like it's probably more likely than not that Jordan does not come back this season. Um, but it's kind of an awkward spot right now because they do have a roster spot and they've you know put put the, the qualifying offer out to him, um, which in theory he could take, but it's basically, you know, essentially a, just a minimum contract basically for this coming season. So, you know, uh, not really a lot of pressure for him to, to take that. Right. Cause it's like, okay, I assume he could probably get a minimum somewhere regardless. So, um, you know, and, and again, like it's, you reach a point in the season where, you, you know, teams can pull that um, typically if, if they really don't want a guy back and, we have not heard that 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 has happened. So, uh, so it seems like they're. I don't know. It feels kind of like they're. You know, it's like a relationship where kind of like each party's hoping the other like breaks up with with them. Um, <laughs> and it's part of me is like wondering, like, you know, would would John Horst be happy on some level if if someone gave Jordan, you know, four million dollars a year so that he could say, oh yeah, that would be, you know. 16 million dollars a year in luxury tax on the margin for us so we just can't do it sorry jordan um good luck to to wherever you're going um but instead they're kind of just in this you know awkward waiting game of not knowing kind of what comes next so uh so i'm not sure i i, I mean you know i think we, we've said in the past i mean we think the bucks our team that we would expect would like to uh, probably have an open roster spot going into the regular season again if you need to sign somebody you know, injury replacement. We saw it last year with with Boogie. They brought were able to bring him on. Again, you actually have Serge Bach as your best backup center this year, so you wouldn't be in that same spot from like a big man perspective. They uh, released Yorgos Kalitsakis last year. We're able to bring on Wes. Um, you know, I don't know that there's the same type of guy. You know, <laughs> the same type of yeah. guy on the roster this year that you could just be like, oh well, screw that guy. Like cut him and, and bring on this, this veteran who can actually help us. Um, so, you know, having that, that open roster spot does, does give you some of that flexibility. So, um, you know, could you get them and then give them away at the trade deadline? If you wanted to, again, sort of reduce your cap exposure, um, going into the going, you know, cause again, the, the tax is, is only based on kind of the, the team you have at the end of the regular season. Yeah, you could do that, but um, but I don't know. So I, I would say I'm probably like 65, 35 that he doesn't come back, but, um, you know, everybody else has come back. So, 
so so maybe Jordan comes back as well. I felt kind of bad for him seeing like pictures of him with other guys on the team, and it's like everybody else has been re-signed, and Jordan's still kind of out there flapping in the wind, trying to figure out what what comes next. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's an NBA player there somewhere, right? Um, but I think this is one of the challenges with second round picks is so often these guys who figure it out, you know, it takes them two, three stops before they actually figure out how exactly they fit into an NBA role and, and how they, you know, become valuable role players. And I think Jordan's obviously shown flashes early last season, you know, obviously some really, really encouraging moments, including in that Nets game to open the season. But, you know, I think just his defensive limitations always sort of put a ceiling on kind of how valuable he can be to a team that has championship aspirations. So part of me is kind of feels like it would be fun to see him just go to a kind of a bad team that maybe, you know, has some, has some room to, to give him 20 minutes a night without the pressure of, you know, being a, a title favorite. Um, but again, I, I don't know. I think, you know, certainly in terms of his ultimate development, probably good that he's in this type of situation, having to, you know, really kind of be a guy that, that has to play both ways in order to, to get minutes. But, um, you know, I would say probably for him. And, you know, I think if he does have a, a long-term NBA future, probably would be surprising to me if that that ultimately came in Milwaukee, especially given the fact that they just drafted a guy in, in Marjan Beauchamp who, you know, positionally kind of fits in a similar spot. The Bucks are working on the Marjans and they've chosen Beauchamp uh, over Jordan Wara. <laughs> okay, that's probably a good way to end this. Although I will say, uh, you mentioned Serge Barker in that 14th spot last year coming into the season. That's what we were asking about the center position for obvious reasons. It looked like a, a big hole, particularly, you know, Brooke went down after one game. I think just looking at it uh, this year, probably the question for me is the point guard spot because um, obviously Drew is there and we know they've got a bunch of guys that can handle the ball. It's not like they lack for ball handling, but uh, that backup point guard spot, there has to be a question on George Hill. I know he, again, talked about malign plays. He's a malign player with Bucks fans right now. Uh, but does he come back healthy or is, you know, maybe, is maybe not? No. Yeah, is, is, so so that's a question there. And uh, that's probably why I just think that, you know, they'll enter the season with an open roster spot. And as far as Jordan Moore is concerned, well, I mean, we're not that far from the season. I mean, eventually there'll have to be a decision for him to play somewhere. And if it's not the NBA, is it the G League? Is it overseas? Not sure. Um, but I agree. I mean, he's shown stuff that, you know, he he can play. Um, it's just very difficult on a contender that have now added multiple guys uh, that play the similar positions that that he did. So, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens with War. Yeah, and um, I, I think that I didn't really answer the uh, fully answer the question before, but you know, talking about the the big man spot, you know, Surge gives them kind of that that insurance policy. I, I would have. I would have preferred if they could have given that spot basically to, to a younger player, you know, who could mm -hmm, have, mm -hmm. again, maybe he has, you know, a guy that, that maybe has some, some upside to, to develop into something different. Um, and again, would that guy have been better than, um, than, than Serge Ibaka this year? Maybe, maybe not, but you know, we, we know that Serge Ibaka is probably not having some career Renaissance, right? We know Serge Ibaka is not the Brooke Lopez replacement, even though he's, officially <laughs> officially younger than uh than brooke lopez um so i think that that's kind of the hard part is again like you know can you find some guy on the margins um i think i think oftentimes even in the second round you can find value i think at the center spot because 
it, it has become such a commoditized position and such a marginalized position in many ways. Um, but but I think that's obviously something that, that you know Bucks are probably going to need to take some shots at it, even if realistically you're probably not going to you know just magically find uh, your next Brook Lopez there. So um, so we'll kind of see. We have to see what happens. But you know, like when the Raptors drafted like Christian Coloco right in the second round from Arizona, you know, is Christian Coloco you know a future NBA starter? Probably not, right? I mean, just based on where he was drafted and his kind of profile, like, probably not. But um, you know, maybe, right? And and you're not, you know, using a first round pick on the guy, so it's a little bit less of a risk than um, than you know spending your first first round pick in in four years um, on on him. So um, so I think I think it'll just be interesting to see just sort of how the Bucks kind of manage that and. Um, Again, at some point they will have to confront that, and you know, I think the answer isn't purely just well, I'll just play Bobby Portis and Giannis more. Because at some point, you know, you, we 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 saw last year you need at least three legit big guys um, on your roster, and uh, you know, hopefully Brooke can be that guy for maybe two more years, three more years. I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll have the PJ Tucker aging curve, um, but fingers crossed. But eight more um, years. That's that. <laughs> yeah. But that's probably it's probably if we're being a, a bit optimistic and maybe a little overly nostalgic. Uh if we if we expect, you know, Brooke to just uh you know become a forty year old starting center uh in Milwaukee at some point. I know it's like a little bit boring, perhaps, but I like to be relatively conservative with my uh predictions, particularly you know, really looking ahead into the future. So I'd like to make a prediction right now at the end of next season. Brooke Lopez signs a, a four-year extension, very reasonable money though with the Bucks, and then after that, the Philadelphia 76ers give him 15 mil a year to take him through <laughs> to the age of 41. <laughs> Still searching for their title, they think Brooke Lopez could be the key. 12 years after he led the Bucks to a historic title against Phoenix, that's my prediction. The Sixers. We didn't even speak about the Sixers, but what a funny franchise. Now they're trying to get Kevin Durant. Anyway, I'm sure we can talk about that. At some other point. So let's wrap it up. Uh, more questions that are still there. They'll keep coming through, I'm sure. So we'll get to those over the next few weeks. We've got plenty of time, let's be honest. Uh, Frank, this is two episodes over an hour of podcasting. Uh, nearing midnight for you. Or is it beyond midnight? Mm. Nearing midnight for you. Uh, so well, it's it's 11.17. So, go yeah, watch, go watch some TV or something. It's it's Thursday night. You know, I just got to get through tomorrow. I'm driving to Houston tomorrow. So um, yeah. I will have I will have been in Houston for the weekend by the time this airs. So um, I'll, I'll kind of put my ear to the ground, see how things are going in, uh, in Rockets land. Yes. Uh, since my wife is a Rockets fan. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, good, good time still in Milwaukee. Man, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm still just at ease. Bucks, NBA title, a little over 12 months in the rearview mirror, but man, still feels good. Under, winning a championship, underrated in my book as a fan. Uh, better than I expected. Five stars. Thumbs up. Yeah, no question. And one final thought. We spoke about the purple jerseys in the last podcast, but for all those people that had dreams of the Bucks winning a title and a purple jersey, the time <laughs> is now. For those that hung on to that dream, this is your year. We'll see how they go. Frank and myself, leave it there. Speak to you guys next time.